I don't do it with my friends. Like I don't bring every want to bring everyone else down, but I do it with my parents. Like I want them to come down to my level of how I'm feeling. Not because I want them to understand. I think it's like a, a take that type thing. One of the things that he always says is, just so you know, I show up a lot different outside than I do in this house. I, I'm only like this here. I'm not like this outside of these walls. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Well, welcome back to another From Darkness to Life podcast. My name is Damian Davis, coming at you from the Plugged In Media Network studio here in Medicine Hat. I wanted to take a moment just to uh, thank all the listeners who uh, take the time to download and listen to uh, From Darkness to Life. Um, this podcast was created uh, for the people of our community, and it's for you that we uh, take the time to to figure out what content um, is going to best serve our community. And, and the way that we get to figure out what that content may be is through your feedback. So if you download our episodes via any of the uh, podcast uh, medium forums, whether it's iTunes, uh, Spotify, um, however you listen to From Darkness to Life, if you could leave us some feedback with what you're interested in hearing as far as content from our collective journey, um, as well as, uh, you know, give us a rating. It allows us to uh, be better searched or more accessible to other people who may uh, need to hear the message of hope that uh, we get from these podcasts. Um, and with that, um, I'm really nervous today. I have, uh, I have the honor of being here with, uh, you know, one of my closest friends, Tanya, and her son, Ryder, who have chosen to come in here and talk, uh, just talk about what it's like being a teenager and being a mom of a teenager in the year 2021. Um, and because I'm not qualified to do anything much more than be myself, we've invited Miss um, Malisha from Keys to Hope to uh, join us to help us navigate um, the conversation um, between a mom and a son and, and what it's like to uh, to be a teenager and a mom of a teenager. So uh, uh, with that, we'll start this episode uh, of uh, From Darkness to Life. Um, usually, guys and gals, what we do at the beginning of our episode, we, we ask, how are we being? How are we doing? And uh, usually, we don't like to hear the stock response of, you know, fine or good, uh, as human beings, we're looking to, to really see where you're at and, and seeing how we can support each other. So, you know, let's start with Ryder. Welcome, Ryder. How are you being? I'm, I'm being, well, I know it's a stock response, but I'm being pretty good right now. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today has been so far good because, but it's been nervous because I'm coming on here, so. Yeah, so a little yeah. bit nervous in the morning. Yeah. You know, you, you got up. Did you have to go to school first thing? No, I didn't. Oh, well, that's... I got the week off this Oh, week. a week off. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not just that you got today off to mm-hmm. come yeah. do a podcast? Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Awesome. Well, hey, you know what? That's uh, being good is is amazing, mm-hmm. right? To, yeah. to identify that today is a good day is it's a good place to be in. Mm-hmm. Tanya, how are you being? Um, I would say 
for the most part good. I think that every day you just kind of wake up hoping to navigate the day a little bit better than the day before, trying to, you know, figure things out, um, you know, for for myself and how to be, a you know, the mom I need to be that day and work and all of that stuff and just... I guess I know it's stock response, but I would say just, it's just fine right now. Scared, fine, happy. It changes every day. <laughs> so right? just a, a multitude of, of emotions. Of emotion, yes. I, I know you did mention, you know, you're a little bit nervous. You know, this is something. A little from, bit is a, is a definite understatement. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's intimidating. Yeah. You got a microphone in front of you. You got uh, headphones uh, in front of you. You're sitting here and you're going to talk about some some topics that are near and dear to your heart so yeah I, I can understand that that nervous element to this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I've never never been one always shied away from public speaking of any sort because it's just a it's a fear and it's you know you worry about judgments but we are so far past worrying about that anymore because it doesn't serve anyone so yeah and I can see your eyebrow twitching I know it doesn't <laughs> stop it's just, like this is what happens and then my mouth's gonna go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it it's, reminds uh, me of the old days. Yeah, good time. You, good thing you don't play poker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Malisha, how are you being today? Mm, I just love how you phrase that. Um, I'm going to echo both Tanya and Ryder with the nervousness. This is my first time. Um, the heart is racing right along with your eyebrow twitching. <laughs> <laughs> um, and overall, I'm being, I'm being, you know curious i think with with life these days with how incredibly busy we are um in the mental health field um and really trying to learn how to balance that with my with my own kind of being uh, a mom and a grandma and a, and a wife and a business partner and i think i blow it a lot and so i find that i am you know lately being with a lot of guilt and how to balance that. And so really wanting to step into something more authentic. Um, and I'm already inspired, Tanya and Ryder, with both of you for being so courageous. And thank you so much for um, asking me to join in today's discussion. And Damon, with, for, for you as well. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm emotional. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, but I was sharing a little bit before we, kind of came into this room to start recording this podcast and you know i i, I jokingly said you know uh that tanya's husband richard uh is like my my only friend and it's uh it's not uh as i got sober um my social circle decreased immensely which you know is okay but the one person who always loved me when i couldn't even like who i was was richard and, uh, you know, he, he's the one that shows up on my sobriety birthday, um, to celebrate, you know, nobody else in my social circle except for my sober friends does that. And, uh, to be in your social circle or be in your sphere of influence, Tanya and Ryder, where you guys, um, have taken a chance to come here and be courageous and, and help other people, um, is filling my heart, you know, um, with a ton of love <laughs> and a ton of, uh, I don't even know what it is. I'm just, uh, gratitude, I guess is, is 
the word I'm looking for because uh, having the courage to show up, you know, and to talk about what's going on in your life, um, number one, it's going to serve you and it's going to help you, but it's also going to help so many other people that are out there who uh, are probably going through the same things, you know? Um, and that's powerful because I, I know how your mom uh, writer doesn't like to public speak and ha- mm-hmm. has these fears of, of these things, but to watch your mom grow and say, you know what, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's to be, it's up to me. I need to get out front and be this voice. Um, it's pretty cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other cool thing is, you know, you and I had a, a coffee. Was it last Monday? Yeah. It must've been last Monday. Sure, yeah. And you know, for you to invite your mom to come on and be a part of this podcast. Yeah. Man, pretty special, mm-hmm. you know. I uh, I'd love to do one with my mom one day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, parenting with fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the topic that mm-hmm. brought this whole chain of events together. So that we're sitting here today is you know your mom came over. Your mom and Richard. Um, what do you call what do you call Richard? Stepdad. I just Richard. Call him Richard. Yeah. Richard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets called many. Many things, doesn't yeah, it? He does. Sometimes, buddy. Call him that. Sometimes, <laughs> buddy. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's start there because I've never really asked the question. But how, you know, as a blended family, what's the dynamic? So, um, dynamic is in yeah, like just how I guess the the day to day, like with what do you call Richard? How does Richard? Okay, so Richard's been in Ryder's life since he was four, Richard and the girls. Um, Ryder's dad is a very active part of his life, too. Always just a phenomenal father as well there all of the time, um, every other weekend, stuff like that. But our dynamic at home has always been, we we do everything together, right, from, from the beginning. We're just a very active, hands-on family. Are you talking more in the teenage years now of like a day-to-day how it kind of runs? No, just or? how, 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 how do you, what do you consider, Richard? Like, how, what do I consider? Yeah, like he's um, a buddy, a role model. Oh, yeah, he's like, a, he's like a role model to me because he's like, I don't know, he's really confident and like strong, I'd say, in areas. And I don't know, just charismatic and charming, and it's kind of what I want to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've never heard anybody say that about Richard. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I love, I love hearing Ryder talk like that because those are actually that's not something that I have ever heard, like out of his mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And those, and you're right. Those are the things that I see from Richard. Um, I, you know, I guess I don't have a ton of experience with like asking the questions about what it's like to grow up in a blended family. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you know, obviously you, you, you have your father and you know, the, the relationship there. And then what's the relationship with the, the stepfather or mm-hmm. buddy yeah. or Richard. <laughs> right? right. And how is that, you know, growing up, like, you know, from you, you've known Richard most of your life mm-hmm. um, as well as so have I. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool to hear that you, you have some admiration for some of the character traits that Richard yeah. has. Yeah. Yeah. Are you kind of looking for um, each of our perspectives on having Richard as as like a stepdad, or well, uh, um, I guess just well, how the family dynamic works? Like, you know, is there is there ever tension with having Richard there, or is you know? It's so funny. I always giggle and I always 
tell most people that Richard is the closest thing to perfect because he's, and now I'm going to cry. <laughs> he's like the most loving, giving person that there is. And so from day one, he's always loved Ryder like his own and goes above and beyond all of the time, no matter what, right? And so looking at him as my partner and the parent that I do life with, actually raising Ryder day to day, you you can depend on him for everything, right? He just, he's loving, he's lackadaisy. Is he good at the discipline part when it needs to happen? Fuck no. Mm -hmm. Like, no, he's not, but that that's okay right and so that's what i'm for i'm i'm the i'm probably the mean <laughs> the mean controlling disciplinary parent right um but he's always there so that's you know my view of it he gets kind of the shit end of the stick going through the hard days when maybe we're not getting along and and he just sits back and he lets Ryder and i do our thing right and then he hits his point where he's had enough but then he also, after that's all done, has me for three hours before bed, sobbing, crying, wanting to talk. So he he carries a lot for for us, right? Mm -hmm. That's my perspective. Yeah, that's 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 how I. Feel you don't too. get to you don't get to steal my answer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just hear this unconditional love that he offers both of you through the good time, the bad time. You know, that shit time, it's unconditional love. It is. And what is one of the most beautiful things is Ryder's dad had actually sent me a text years ago and said, please thank Richard for all that he does for our boy, because I could never have that much love for someone else's kids. <laughs> and that was just such a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, I can, I know what that love is firsthand and, you know, and that's just, from a friend yeah. um and it's pretty special you know i uh again i uh, can't state how grateful i am to have you know you guys mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> as my support systems right yeah and so your mom and richard were at our house and we were just you know just talking and the one thing that your mom said rather and um, we talked about this last monday um was just you know parenting with fear you know mm -hmm. fear of raising a teenager yeah. fear of what's going on mm -hmm. um how is it being a teenager in the year 2021 what are some of the things that cause you to be stressed or uh overwhelmed well most of it stems from like friends and because with covid it's like i don't even think covid's fully the problem but like when i was younger with richard because he has you know taryn and taya like uh I don't know. I guess I never really thought about making friends because I had them. So I, and then when they left where I'm like now and they only come like once or twice a month, well, just Taya because Taryn lives in Brooks with her boyfriend now. So I don't know. It's just, it's kind of different going from having siblings to an only child mm -hmm. because like you've always had them there with you, I think. And I don't know. Now it kind of feels hard to make friends because I didn't make them when I was younger, but that's mostly what stresses me out. It's like I could be going out with friends right now, or I could be 
out doing stuff, but it's like all the time. Like even if I do go out with friends, like when I get back from going out with friends, it's like, oh, I wanted to go out longer with different people. It's, it's just, I don't know. I feel like I always have to be out with friends because it's like connection almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of, we talked about that, you know, when I was growing up, I had sports in my life and I had this connection to multiple groups of people, but for some reason I always felt alone. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't fit in or I had to put on masks and different friend circles to kind of be accepted. Right. Yeah. I, I wanted that love and, mm-hmm. and I was looking for it and, and then kind of like a push and pull, I would get it and then I would push it away and mm-hmm. I would get it, <laughs> I would yeah. push it away because I didn't feel like I deserved you know, um, to be accepted or to feel loved, but that's the one thing I craved the most. I'm 43 years old and I still am that way, you know, mm-hmm. push away and pull. Um, and we had a really good conversation yeah, around that. And, and, um, I can relate to you, you know, mm-hmm. where we kind of come up at different generations, but mm-hmm. same feeling, same, um, same kind of experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like, it's loneliness for sure. That's part of it. And always just a feeling of belonging, but not having that feeling of belonging. So then I get lonely because, and that's why I crave going out with friends and stuff. Cause it's like, maybe then I'll feel like I belong and I won't be lonely when I'm out with them and stuff. But then it's like never satisfied that feeling. So I always want to be out with friends. I always want to, I don't know, feel like I belong. It'd just be nice. If I can relate it back to kind of me, because I guess mm-hmm. I'm the only expert on myself, um, it's like I wanted to accept myself, you yeah. know, and I couldn't accept myself. So I was looking for it from outside influences, but that was never going to fill my cup. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I had to, I had to go through some terrible shit, you know, drug abuse, alcoholism, every ism that you could ever think of, mm-hmm. and then get to a pretty dark place before I realized that I'm pretty decent person just as is right mm-hmm. um and maybe that's what this conversation is about it's about self-acceptance mm-hmm. you know um i know your mom and i are fairly similar in a lot of the ways that we think richard is a unicorn yeah. <laughs> he's like yeah. this compassionate i want to meet this richard yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's amazing but he's he, richard and my wife julie are very similar very they're very you know loving and caring and all these things and and I'm sure they have their character defects and things they're working on, but they can re to me, it's like they can uh, reasonably see what's happening and then deal with it where I am like volatile and crazy yeah. and yeah. I got to blow up and burn my life to the ground and then figure things out. Yeah. Um, but it's, I understand that, that acceptance piece, you know, I, I still to this day I have the words, love yourself tattooed across my chest. I see it in the mirror every day. And it's the hardest concept for me to grasp. You mean mm-hmm. like this one here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yours is a little bigger than mine. <laughs> but, but that's the thing that I wanted most in my life was just to accept me for me. Mm. Um, and maybe, I don't know, is that the, is that the human experience? Is that what we have to go through to, to realize that we're pretty decent? It's inter- it's, it is interesting raising a kid and seeing Ryder and knowing that those are his struggles because in all in complete honesty that has always been my struggle 
always is self-acceptance, is, you know, loving yourself, is all of those things. And it's something I still struggle with to this day really, really badly with. Um, and, and Richard is always talking about, like, just not understanding how that can be, right? And always pointing out the qualities that are good, right? And to try and focus on those. But it, it's just wild to me that I felt like if I, if I parent differently, right? If I show all of this love through all of these years and I do this and this, then, then he won't have that empty feeling that I have. And it's, it really is wild to me that you can do what you feel is the best or whatever. And everyone's journey is, is their journey and how they feel. Right. Mm -hmm. And I like, and it's not, the feelings I have, I know that they're not caused by the way that you parented. Like, yeah, it just kind of happened as I got older. Like, it wasn't with me since the start. It just started happening as I got into the teenage years. So I think it just, that's just what happens. Yep. Is, and, is, and Malisha, you might have better insight on this than, than me, but is part of that like puberty and the hormones and the things that are happening as your body changes, is that something that... Sorry. causes our minds to get scrambled a little bit when it comes to some of this mental health stuff we're talking? Oh, absolutely. I think it's a combination of so many things. And one of the things being as, as we step into adolescence, we want to stretch our wings. We want to start to really starting to step into who am I? You know, what are my likes? What are my dislikes? And a lot of that is, is found through connection. And then, it is just a fundamental core part of being human, a desire to belong, a desire to attach to someone. So you've attached with mom mm -hmm. through your whole lifetime. And it's really clear that you have a close, you know, a strong bond. Mm -hmm. And it's so perfectly normal that you want to attach and connect mm -hmm. to other people. Yeah. And then that's kind of the scary part because mm -hmm. it's like, who are these other people and what if they won't like me? Yeah. Because, you know, our, the, the biggest, most fundamental fear that we have as humans is the fear of rejection. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's tough. You know, mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I put myself right back in junior high, high school, I was bullied. I was beat up. I had to fight all the time to, you know, just to get home from school. Um, hated how I looked, hated, you know, just, I think about it now. I, I must've, I had a body image issues like my whole life, you know, and I've always been athletic, but I remember I had to buy 34 inch waist jeans. I thought, well, I'm fat, you know? So I'd always try and buy 30s or 32s and they'd be uncomfortable and then I'd be conscious about that and even today I'm trying on different jeans you know like mm. you know it's something that stuck with me because I if I I felt I guess in junior high if I look good then people will accept me and you know I just didn't accept myself I rejected me for a long time yeah and lots of if only right if only I could fit into the 32 inch. If only I'm the best parent I can yeah. be. If only I'm the best, mm -hmm. you know, youth or teenager I can be, then I'll be accepted. And we battle with if only every day. Mm -hmm. And when I, I think about parenting and fear, a lot of what I mean by that is I remember how hard junior high and high school years are. Like I, I always say, I, 
you know, lots of people say those are the best days of your life. I could not disagree more. I wouldn't go back there if I was no paid. Way. I really wouldn't. Not that it was terrible. It just, there's there's so much hard hard stuff that happens in those years, right? So when we went through it and feeling the way we do, I think about these kids in this day and age where that phone and technology is their whole world. And so you see these kids struggling so much with connection. But to, for me, not saying it's right or wrong, I feel like in my eyes, and this is where a lot of our friction is, is the one thing that gets in the way of the connection, I feel, is the phone. Like, get out and, and be with the people and do the things. But it's hard because we were born in a time when there was no phone. So we've seen it all. But these kids... They don't know life without it. And so to try to navigate as a parent of what's right, what's wrong in doing this is we're basically pioneering it, fucking up along the way, trying to figure figure out the balance, right? And so how is that, Ryder? Like, is, is a lot of your connection or, you know, the teenager experience currently connection through social media? Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of it is like, uh, I don't know. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it just seems easier than like hanging out, like talking to people on your phone. And, but also coming with that, if you go on like Instagram or you look at someone's Snapchat story and you see that they're out with other people, it like, even if you don't even know them, it just, it still hurts. Like, it's like, you feel it in your heart when you see that, because it's like, why didn't they invite me? Or why am I not out with them? So it's a, it's a whole different level of rejection where it's not even being rejected firsthand. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a backseat rejection of mm -hmm. some sort, right? Yeah, yeah. Huh. And the kind of rejection that you can keep going back and looking mm -hmm. at that post and yeah. feeling that mm -hmm. rejection in your heart over yeah. and over. Yeah. And the comparison. The game of comparison. We're we're terrible at that too, us as adults on social media, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, and and I completely relate when I asked for my first sponsor in mm -hmm. the twelve step fellowship that I'm in, not first sponsor, my last sponsor, sorry. Mm -hmm. I knew I was dying, I knew I needed help, and I reached out four days after meeting this man via text. And my whole rationale was if he says no, it's easier to be rejected from text than it is to be rejected face to face, right? Yep. So I can't imagine, you know, what it what it's like to attempt to make friends, attempt to socialize, attempt to find your tribe and belong, and then have to do that twofold: one via social media, one via mm -hmm. in person, right? Yeah. Do Do you have lots of like face to face outside of school, like face to face get-togethers with your peers? Uh, well. In the summer, I had quite a bit, but then, I don't know, I kind of lost touch with that friend group because some stuff happened, and then it was like I didn't really want to associate with them anymore. And then, like, not really. Uh, I mean, I have, a, like, at school and stuff, I've got, like, a bunch of friends, but, like, I guess I've never went out of my way to ask them to ever hang out or anything, so I guess that might be where some of my... Because I'm always scared that they're gonna think that i'm weird for asking them to hang out they're gonna think it's the rejection part of it that's most of it yeah, yeah. 
And I guess and to throw a whole other wrench into this whole scenario is like the COVID thing. So, you know, not being allowed to at certain times to physically get together and then coming into, you know, your formative teenage years when COVID's just, you know, flourishing. Plus you got all these, um, you know, you want to connect, but you can't connect. So social media becomes the best vessel that you can use because it's safe. It's at home and couple that with now you're back together and Mm -hmm. man, Mm -hmm. I empathize with what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so where does that, uh, where does that leave, you know, parenting with, you know, trying to navigate this allowance of, of technology and encouraging of old school get together. That is such a loaded question. Um, there, there is nothing worse than seeing or knowing that your child struggles with loneliness, right? Or um, a, a, a circumstantial depression, if you will, because of that, right? And we encourage all of the time to go out, make friends, do all of the things, whatever. But just like you said, the push, push, pull, that is Ryder so much. And we have conversations around that is it's like he wants it. And then he gets it. He's like, no, I'm good. Because I'll, I'll, uh, like I'll be at home and I'm like, oh, I really want to hang out with someone right now. And then when someone asks me to hang out, I'll be like, I don't really want to do it anymore now. Cause it's like, I know that I can hang out with someone, but it, and so I have the reassurance of if I want to hang out, I can, but I don't want to right now. So even if I just wanted to hang out, like right before they texted me to hang out, it's so weird. So, and I can only speak from my perspective, not to say it's right or wrong. So what I see is, is he chooses to stay home and, and do the social media route and go that way and is is addicted to his phone, right? If, right, not saying that, that you're the only one, we all, we all have our phone all of the time, but when it comes to rules around that and school and, and stuff, he has a really hard time with rules of the phone needs to come up, you know, at 10, 1030. Um, he, he doesn't like that. And so we have a lot of fights about that because he wants to be able to keep his electronics with the promise that I will get off them when it's time. Um, but that doesn't happen. So then, you know, you have a, ch- a child on at three, four, five in the morning, and then the next day and the day after is someone who's very, you know, tired, irritated, you know, feeling a little lazy, all of the things, right? So then this is kind of where our, our struggles come, right? And so it's figuring out. So you try and set some some boundaries and some rules around that. And as soon as that happens is kind of when all shit hits the fan, hey, bud? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where he doesn't like that. And we will have a go around for no less than two, three hours sometimes at night because he just won't accept it. I lose my temper. And it's just, we just, yeah, it's quite a shit show. And then um, the feelings, the feelings in the arguments are so complex with me anyway, like yeah. the way I feel about things Yeah. because I'll, I'll want, I'll want to deescalate the situation, but then you'll make a point 
or you and then I'll be like, well, I got to prove that wrong now. Mm. So I got to, yeah. so I got, and then there's like these little bursts of anger, but mm-hmm. there, and then you think if I say this to them, then it'll be satisfied. And then it's just never satisfied and you just keep going yeah. and going. And then when I try to leave, like I'll want to leave to go to bed or something. But then the minute that I leave, I'm like, oh, I got to go back because I don't feel like leaving anymore. Cause it's like, it's like push, push, pull. I think tight. like, like even in the arguments, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Because once I do what I want to do, it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes it feels, you know, all the talk of the loneliness and depression and sadness always comes in those arguments. Right. And and so I give them a hard time. And again, this this podcast is about vulnerability and accepting that we fuck up all the time. But I've always thought of it as a manipulation tool, right? If I say this, if I make it this bad, then I can have, I'll be able to keep my phone all night long because she, you know, and that's, that's where my heart is struggles because I can't discount his feelings. What he says, he says, who am I to say, whether it's a manipulation tool or if that's truly how he feels, I have to honor his feelings. But at the same time, I also have to be careful of, but I can't give in when it's not going to serve him in any way by letting him keep his phone all night long. And I can imagine that push, push, pull inside of you of I want to be mom and set some boundaries for, you know, Ryder's health. And I also feel this guilt because under that guilt is so much fear about what he's going through, what maybe he's sharing, what he's not sharing with you. What do I do that, that, yeah, yep. push, push, pull. Yep. It makes me think about Hunter. <laughs> My yeah. son's four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, what I know about the human brain as it develops is that, you know, at certain points, um, children or humans only have emotion. Like the logic comes but my son Hunter, he's four. He has uh, logical blind spots where he he just doesn't can't comprehend. And I don't know if he knows how to manipulate or not manipulate. But like you said, Tanya, I have to trust that whatever he's telling me is going on, mm-hmm. right? And try and you know, I I see a change in him when he watches Paw Patrol, yeah. you know, and then gets off his brain isn't functioning properly, and and there's you know periods of meltdown because he's emotional. Right. And, and I guess, again, Malisha, you're you know more versed on, on this than maybe I, but when does that for a teenager or a human being, like after we're off of a blue screen or social media or TV, is there something going on in our brain that causes us to be more heightened emotionally? Absolutely. For any of us of, of any age, the more time we spend on screen, the more certain parts of our brains are activated. And so having those breaks are really, really important. doesn't matter what age you are to sort of help re-regulate yourself, if you will. And so it makes perfect sense, you know, for you that when you are spending that time, there's your most of your interaction. Um, you're now in sort of a higher emotional state. Mm-hmm. And then having these conversations with mom and you have all these things to, to say, I'd be really curious if in those moments, you know, what could happen for you both if you put bones away and said, we're going to take 15 minutes. And like we did right at the beginning of this interview, and we did those deep breathing exercises, 
and we really just sort of grounded ourselves and then came back to the conversation how might that be different Mm -hmm. because now you're allowing for the more rational part of your brain to have you know sort of dominate more than that emotional part does that make sense yeah totally because i i see a lot of what Ryder said in myself like if i'm fighting with my wife or i'm you know we're having an argument i want to get the last word across and then i feel guilty that i got the last word across and i'll also argue opposite of what i'm thinking and feeling just to argue you know <laughs> and because i want to fight i just i just fight or flight it right? is man right, right there and like there's a part of me even to this day where i'm like getting something out of the back of my truck at Safeway. And I'm like, I just want violence. Like somebody do something, you know? And, I'm like, yeah. and it's just like, whoa, whoa, what is going on with me? Like uh, I want, taking it back to my wife, Julie, like I want her to come and hug me, but I want her to get the fuck away from me. You know, I want to be loved, but I don't want to be weak. Right. And it's just, you know, I've done lots of work and I've had lots of experiences, but now I have this awareness that, okay, this is going on. I have to do something. And one thing, one word that keeps popping into my head is responsibility, right? So I'm responsible for every scenario in my life only because I'm the only common denominator in every scenario of my life, right? And if I want different, it's up to me to figure that out with the supports of other people. And then I have to have discipline to make changes so that I can get what I want, right? Um, and at the end of the day, I just want to be happy. I want to be accepted. I want to, I want to thrive, right? Um, but full well knowing that I'm, I'm allowed to have these emotions. I'm allowed to go up and down. But if I want friends, you know, if I want mm-hmm. more people in my life, I have to put myself out there. And that's something that I'm dealing with too right now, riders. In the last seven years of being sober, um, I don't put myself in social situations often. I have a very small group of people, but that's not really serving me anymore because I I want to be out, you know, making friends and becoming more ingrained in my community, but I struggle with that, right? Because then I got to put myself out there and I got to talk to people and then I got to shower every day. (laughs) All those things that come with being a responsible human being in my eyes. And it's, it's tough. And again, I think I take it back to, you know, that, that base thing, like fear of rejection. Are people going to reject me? I'm 43 three, almost 44. I have a four, a two and a one year old. Most people with four and two and one year olds are in their late twenties. You know, that's, and, and that's, the, what am I going to relate to there? I don't drink. I don't drug. I, you know, I'm, I lead a different life now. Will people accept me? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Mm-hmm. 43 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going on 15. Yeah. <laughs> I, when you said you want to put yourself in social situations, but I, that's that's how I feel too like I want to go out and because like I have a group of friends it's not like I just don't have any friends like I but it's like I want like a different like I want change almost like it's not like I don't like them like I like my friends they're they're great but it's like I like the I like the idea of going out and talking to people and making friends but I always get so scared because when that happens, when I, every single time I meet someone new, I always get scared that they're going to abandon me and they're going to just like leave me just for no reason. Like I don't have to do anything. And I think about that all day where it's like, are they going to, are they going to stop talking to me now? Or are they, or they'll do something like they'll, they won't read my, this comes back to the social media. They won't read my texts for like 
an hour or two and it's like, oh, did I do something wrong? Are they probably, they're probably leaving me now because they're mm. not responding and stuff. Right. Sorry. No, no, I, can I just, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. I appreciate your vulnerability. Like yeah. I just, I can feel it in my throat right now. Yeah. Just how, like what a proud mom you are over here, Tanya. <laughs> um, I just want to validate what you said. Okay. Okay. Like you and me and your mom and Dave, like everyone feels that. And not everyone has the courage to say that out loud like okay. you did right now. All right. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you're you're a powerful young man, Ryder. And Thank I've you. thought that for a very long time. We've had some, you know, very frank conversations, you know, yeah. uh, at our kitchen table where you, you've asked questions that most adults wouldn't ask. Um, mm -hmm. You're very caring and, and courageous, but I understand that fear of abandonment, you know, mm -hmm. the, uh, I always used to think that the grass is greener on the other side, you mm -hmm. know, that if, uh, if these friends over here would accept me or if this situation over here, like, like you said, the if only's right. Um, and what I really found is that I, I thought a lot about my past and I stayed stuck in my past. And then I dreamed about the future and what it would look like in all these different scenarios. And I was always talking to myself in my head, but I missed out what was going on right in front of me a lot of the times. And I had this, you know, amazing, I have amazing friends. Don't get like, probably like you do. Mm -hmm. um, but I forgot about how amazing they were because, you know, I thought these other people over here would be even more yeah. amazing. But yeah. as it turned out, the people that are still in my corner are the ones that were always amazing and right in front of me. I just kind of, mm -hmm. uh, I overlooked them for a while, yeah. you know, but they still stood by me and, and they still are standing by me. And they're the ones that, uh, um, I lean on, you know, f when I'm not doing okay. And, and I guess the big thing with that is today, I understand that I, I'm allowed to not be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, I listen to your mom talk about parenting a lot and I really admire how she has raised you. Mm -hmm because I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict and, you know, recovered, um, I guess I should say that too. <laughs> but, disclaimer. Yeah. Disclaimer. Yeah. Um, I worry a lot about my sons, you know, how I don't want them to suffer like I suffered or to go through what I went through, but then seeing your guys's relationship and not saying we're going to have our experience as humans. Right. Mm -hmm. And, those experiences are going to allow my sons to be themselves. And who am I to rob them from that by attempting to be perfect? Because all that that's done for me up to this point has driven me crazy. Um, I had a guy tell me one time, well, you're going to fuck your kids up. Just <laughs> once you accept that, just don't fuck them up as bad as you were fucked up. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to, I'm not going to love them any less or any different, but, uh, you're inspiring me is I guess where I'm going okay. with this is that year. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you're fucked up. <laughs> what I'm saying is that yeah. you're completely normal. And I wish at 15, somebody would have told me that I am okay to, yes. it's okay to talk about these things, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. I didn't, I stuffed with drugs and alcohol and a litany of other things, um, which led me to a pretty dark place. Yeah. You know, we grew up in such a different time though. I mean, talking about feelings with our parents 
that wasn't a thing. Mm-mm. Like it just wasn't a thing. Like it, I can't even fathom being asked, how are you doing? Like we, we, we just weren't touchy feely back then. It's not that they did anything wrong. It just wasn't a thing. And I say touchy feely just because that's how it was. But in, in our world now, it is so, so important. Right. And we have always been very touchy-feely and very open in our home about conversations around that. And I think that as much as in the last couple of years, Ryder and I mix like super good, like water and oil, right? Yeah, Not good. Um, we can still talk about all of it together and can still apologize and can still admit I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't have said that. That's not what I meant by that. And right, it doesn't just get left where we say harsh things to each other and and you just leave it, right? I know what it's like to carry that stuff, right? I could say something to him that will mean nothing to me a, a, a day later. I won't even remember what I said, but he could potentially carry that one comment forever, right? And so I am cautious of that, but yeah, so far from perfect in how we argue and how we try to, you know. I want to validate that too, because you both said something interesting earlier when you would have these this conflict at night that can sometimes happen for, you know, two or three hours. And, you know, Tanya, you're trying to do all the mom stuff there while also listening. And Ryder, for you, you said, you know, I, I would go away and then I would have to go back because mm-hmm. like, you know, I wasn't done talking. I have more to say. And that's the key right there mm-hmm. is don't stop talking. Yeah. Come back. Mm-hmm. Right. Like two to three hours, your mom is present with you. She might be mad. Mm-hmm. Right. She might be giving you heck about something, but she's present there and wanting to listen and let him come back. Mm-hmm. Let him come back and be mad and let it those mm-hmm. adolescent emotions as he's in the, the you know, the height of that right now, yeah. like let it be because he's right where he should be. And the more he can come back and advocate for himself and, and tell you, you know, it's not manipulation. It is the adolescent brain going, hear me, hear my yeah. independence, hear me. And underneath this, you know what? I'm kind of afraid. I'm kind of yeah. sad, but thanks mom for loving me enough to like yell at me. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Well, and it's remembering too, you know, when you're, when we're going through those heated battles, right, and and stuff is being said, and and when we, you know, finally are done, and he goes to bed, and I go to bed, and you lay there as you do, while eyes wide open, wondering what could I have done differently, what can I do going forward, all of those things. Um, I totally just lost my train of thought. It was super good. Oh, it's remembering that he doesn't really not respect me, like he just told me he doesn't. He really does like. You know, it's remembering that people will be the most vulnerable and most hurtful to those that they love the most and looking at that from a place of it's because he feels safe here. If you struggle so much with abandonment or not belonging, right, that wouldn't happen. But he lets it all out there because I I believe, I don't know this to be true, but I believe he feels like it is his safe spot to do so. And I'm going to be known as the bad guy for probably the next Three twenty-five years, no skin. But um, right. Damon did make a point though when he was talking about when you were talking about you could get what you want out of an argument, but you still want to argue, even if even if you're arguing your point. It's not like 
it's it's not like it's entertaining and it's like a game. It's just like I don't know. I think there's so many emotions that you just want to start something so that you can get that anger out to be heard. To be heard, yeah. To f- for me, it was to feel sometimes like that's yeah. That's true. I wasn't. I never. <laughs> It's not like I wasn't given permission. It's just that it, I guess like your mom said, there was, there was a point in my upbringing where it's just like rub some dirt on it. Boys don't cry. Don't feel emotion, whatever that is, whatever, you know, I might be making that all up or maybe it's how I was raised, but I wasn't allowed to feel. So the one thing that I was, that was kind of always present in my life was anger. Mm -hmm. So if I was angry, at least I was feeling something. So like I said, I would, I would fight with you arguing against what I truly believed just to fight. Mm-hmm. And when I got older, that turned into violence. I, I loved bar fighting. I loved, I was in the bars at 16 fighting men, you know, because I, I wanted to feel something because I didn't even like who I was or I didn't even know who I was. I didn't know that I was allowed to just be me. And so I had to put on all these masks for other people because if, if this group of people accepted me, then I felt worthy. If this group of people accepted me, then I felt something, right? If women... Yeah. If I could get a woman or, you know, somebody of the opposite success or I can't even say it, opposite sex, mm-hmm. then I felt worthy. I was looking for all my worth from all these outside vessels or all these outside influences. And that led me to a pretty shitty place because I didn't know I was allowed to feel. I didn't, you know, know how to communicate properly. And I burned every relationship I ever had to the ground because I wanted to get you and push you away so that you couldn't hurt me. You know, so I'll be the bad guy, burn it to the ground. And then I get to go off and keep doing the same pattern over and over and never talking about it, always stuffing everything down until it was a volcano. It would come out and it'd be violent and it'd be terrible. And a lot of the times for me, Ryder, it was all around self-harm. So it was like, I just can't deal with this. I would rather not be here, Mm -hmm. you know, not knowing how loved I actually was or how people actually saw me. Um, because I was blind, you know, to their love and their acceptance because I couldn't see it myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I admire about Ryder, but also is scary at the same time is his ability to say, you know, when he's having those tough days and we sit and we talk, um, these aren't arguments. These are just actual conversations we have. We'll talk about, you know, try and remind yourself of all that's good in your life and what you're grateful for and all of those things. And he is so grateful for everything, but he will be the first to admit, I just don't think it's possible for me to be fully happy or just content. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of adults struggle with, everyone's looking to attain this, I'm happy, but I don't don't think that's a thing. I think it's finding joy in the day-to-day, right? And trying to help him understand that it's the work that you have to do on a daily basis. That's not that fun. Like trying to watch what you eat, right? Trying to get a little exercise, like all the stuff that's unappealing at 15. Like we judge health by, am I skinny? Doesn't matter what I eat at 15, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, when we try to try to go through those things, but. I think there's a, a real false sense around emotion <laughs> as well. You know, since when, you know, where did this goal come from that, you know, the goal is to achieve happiness. And then once I've arrived at happiness, then life is going to be like golden. Except that emotions are fluid. They're not fixed. 
And I encourage my clients and, and myself, you know, I do the work in this that emotions aren't like positive or negative, mm-hmm. but they're uncomfortable and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And they're all important and they're all there to teach you something. And so, yeah, you know, what are the things, what am I present moment feeling right now? And what can I learn from this discontent or this uncomfortable feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Knowing, yeah, of course we all want to be happy. But what can I be right now, true to myself as, you know, writer for you as you're you're growing and, you know, growing into adulthood? Mm-hmm. You know, Tanya, for you as mom, oh, what is this fear trying to tell me right now as a mom? Mm-hmm. Right? Knowing it's not, fear isn't going to stay with you. Mm-hmm. It's just in that moment. Yeah. So true. So, and so, I guess what I heard you say is you, you didn't attach an emotion to somebody else. You attach an emotion to something that you have. So nothing on this planet will make me happy. I'm just happy. Nothing on this planet will make me angry. I'm just angry. Um, a lot of mine, I think, comes from my worth, you know? So when my worth is challenged or my self-worth is challenged internally, that's when I use anger as a defense or, you know, I justify, oh, my wife makes me happy because she's my wife. Well, no, I'm just happy because I chose to have her as my wife, right? Yeah. I always put myself behind. I never put myself, you know, I created this relationship. I'm, I'm the one that's responsible for maintaining this relationship. She's responsible for her part, but I have to be responsible. If I want a relationship with you, Ryder, or your mom, I have to do my part, you know, not expect that. You know, yeah. your mom reaches out and says, hey, let's have coffee. If I want to yeah. have coffee right. and have a conversation, I reach out to your mom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all these things I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> you know, I was I was a victim for a long time. I was, if only, again, if only this woman loved me or if only this job happened or if I had different friends, that's why I feel this way. Well, mm-hmm. I am my own problem. I am my own solution. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I had some people there to support me along the way to to figure out my solution, right? Mm-hmm. Could I just use the washroom quickly because I really got to go? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, Dave, yeah, hit pause. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit that part out, eh, okay. Dave? Yeah. <laughs> I love, love it. Love it. Yeah, we're not gonna want you to do that yeah. on there. That's too funny. He's really awesome. He is. He's yeah. he's wise beyond his years. Yes. We are such. We are very deep in our house. Like we just we talk about everything and anything. Nothing's off the table. I mean, how you are. That's how we are. So yeah, we're uh, talking about being a victim. I was a, a victim for a long time, Ryder. And and once I, I was once I learned how to be responsible and what that really looked like. Um, I don't want to say it's at first it was a lot of work for me, but now it's just kind of, it's just who I am. Um, I still have a tendency to go back to, uh, to that victim. And it's when I don't feel worthy. And I, I do that push pull thing that we've been talking about quite a bit where I want to be loved, but don't want to be loved. Um, blame other people. And sometimes I, I don't know, I feel justified in saying that I want to stay stuck. Like I just, I deserve to feel shitty. So I'm going to stay stuck here, but I do something really terrible in those modes is I want to bring everybody around me down with me. I want to make my wife feel terrible. I want to make, you know, if I'm feeling shitty, I want to make sure everybody is in that pit of despair and not having a good time and worrying about me. Um, does that sound, does anybody else do that? Well, maybe not to the level I do, but <laughs> I do that, but it's, it's, it's backwards from what it, well, I, it's not backwards, but like it just, it doesn't really make any sense why I do it. Like 
I don't do it with my friends. Like I don't bring every want to bring everyone else down, but I do it with my parents. Like I'm I want I want them to come down to my level of how I'm feeling. Not because I want them to understand. I think it's like I I take that type thing for just no reason. And but around my friends it's like I don't I don't really want them to be brought down to my level because I don't want them because it almost feels like weakness. Yeah, you don't want yeah. them to see that you're hurting, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. if they see that you're hurting, they'll see that you're weak. And if you're, mm-hmm. if they perceive you to be weak, then yeah. we feel that they'll think we're worthless. Right. We have, I have a really, we have a lot of rider isms at home. Um, and one of the things that he always says is just so you know, I show up a lot different outside than I do in this house. Right. Because we always give him the gears. You know, he's a teenage boy. They don't love to clean up their 74 bowls in their room and 69 (laughs) glasses and, you know, don't love to do chores and don't love to do that. And so we always ask him like, you know, little things like that. Why is that? Or when we get in an argument and he gets heated, like you talk about. Right. And he always he always says, I'm only like this here. I'm not like this outside of outside of these walls. Right. So. Yeah, I guess that makes a little bit of sense in there that. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. the same way, you know, like, uh, I think take it back to what you said earlier is I know that my loved ones aren't going anywhere so that if I blow up and am an asshole and bring them down and, or, you know, try and put my shit onto them, they're not going anywhere, but I don't want the world to see that side of Damien because I've got this, this facade sometimes that I'm still putting up outside and I'm, I am a kind, gentle, caring person who's willing to give the shirt off my back to everybody else. But sometimes I'm not willing to even stand and talk to my wife because I'm so angry, but I also know she's not going anywhere. Yeah. Kind of similar to, you know, your parents, right? We, I mean, in, in, in fairness, we, we are in a, in a better place now, I think just kind of learning through each other how to argue better, but you know, over the past two, three months, it hasn't been that easy and, and we haven't done it right. And, when we talk about parenting and fear and seeing him, you know, blow up or me blow up or see his unhappiness in that and him express that, you know, I'm not happy here in this home and I'm, you know, all of these things and you're trying to take regard for their feelings as a parent, you start to have this fear and you're thinking, okay, well, what else can I do? Because I want him to be happy in his life. And so what does that look like? You know, I had tossed around ideas for him of, you know, do you want to move to your dad's? Do you, you know, as much as that would hurt me all for selfish reasons, right? Maybe it would be the best thing for him that that is somewhere that he would thrive, right? Um, or sometimes it's just, it just goes on and on and on. And it's like, if you're going to act like this, then you can get the fuck out, right? And those aren't the the greatest moments and that I am proud of as a mother, but but it's also very real, right? There there comes a time when Rich and I talk, like if you're going to be this disrespectful and this crazy and hate it here so much, then leave, right? And, you know, I recognize now that that's not the very best thing to say in those situations, right? It's That's probably causing part of the, uh, you know, feelings of, of sadness. But I do we do apologize and we do talk through and we do hug at all of the things, but. And that piece right there, the, it's the apologies. It's knowing that, you know, he, he will hear that from you. Do you feel that you, that you feel that from me? Well, I don't, not really. You don't feel like that? No, I don't, I don't know. 
That, so that just means I had to do a better job of it. I guess. Right? Yeah. Well, like. I just got to be better at it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. is, is it part of that push pull thing? I think sometimes when my four year old is in crisis and, you know, having his chaotic emotional response to whatever, I need to pull him close you know, to let him know that he's safe and protected and, mm -hmm. and no matter what, that I am always going to be there from, for him, which is complete opposite of what I want to do sometimes where I just want to put him in his room and have him have his crisis. But maybe that's, you know, what I'm hearing is like, mm -hmm. and don't let me put words in your mouth, Ryder, but when you're in crisis, you, even though you want your mom to fuck off, you want her to mm -hmm. give you love and tenderness and comfort you. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. And I know that that's because if I was in your shoes and I had to do that, I know that that would be really hard for me to do to, cause you know, that, cause I know that you're mad cause I'm also mad and it's so hard to just go and like tell them, like reassure them that you're there for them and stuff. But I feel like that would deescalate things a lot more and make me feel more comfortable. I love hearing that because mm -hmm. in my, from my perspective, I thought I was like, killing it in that department but i'm not i'm missing the mark right mm -hmm. so that's that is really really good to know mm -hmm. right yeah that i need to be better at doing that mm -hmm. in those moments yeah and i love though that you've created a secure enough base for him that even in, in this sort of vulnerable conversation with like i'm a stranger to you mm -hmm. and Ryder, you're sharing to your mom like well, no, I think you could do it better. Mm -hmm. And like, Tanya, you've made it safe enough for him to say, like, I want you to do that more. Mm -hmm. Like that's. Well, I do. Like he's going to get a licking when we get back in the car. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. Because <laughs> no. uh, remember, I heard her say, you can say anything and I won't give you heck in the car later. Yeah. <laughs> but there are things like, again, the back to the push, push, pull, learning to be a better listener and learning to speak last with him, right? He he is forever saying, I just want you to listen. I just want you to listen, right? And I'm I'm a Thompson. We're terrible at it, so I'm trying to be better. But when when I finally make that effort in the moment, right, and I just listen and I don't reply, he's so funny. He'll be like, don't you have something to say about that? And I said, well, no, I'm just working on listening and then it pisses them off so again, you're like who do i need to be in this conversation right like i just have to be better mm -hmm. and it's okay to have those conversations with each other hey what can i do better here mm -hmm. what do you need more of here and mm -hmm. listening validation mm -hmm. and right. understanding too that it is also a two-way street yes yeah, i'm I'm learning lots. I don't think it's just, uh, you know, a teenage son and a mother mm -hmm. perspective. I think what I'm hearing is we as human beings sometimes don't voice what we need. You know, we, I find for myself, I just, uh, I compensate and I'll just suck it up and I'll just kind of go about it and try. I, I don't want to create waves because if I create waves by asking for what I think I need or what I know I need, maybe I'll get rejected from the person that I'm voicing it to. And again, back to the rejection piece, you know, that mm -hmm. I'm not worthy enough to make my needs known because that person's going to tell me to kick rocks and then I won't be accepted. And if I'm not accepted, I'm weak. And if I'm weak, I'm worthless. And yeah, ugh, 43 years old, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and so 
it's encouraging to hear you, you talk about what you need, right? And mm-hmm. it's inspiring me to be more assertive in my communication with others and telling them what I need and putting myself out there to, you know, be more ingrained in the community to find more friends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't want to blow more smoke up your ass, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's true. You're, you're very inspiring writer. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And you inspire me too. Cause it, it feels good to like, know that you're, you also feel some of the same way that I do. And it, I don't know. It, feels like I'm not alone and that makes it feel better. And that's what, (laughs) this is the, this is the whole reason, um, that we started this thing called our collective journey is that, uh, for a long time, Ryder, I thought I was alone. You know, I was surrounded by people and I felt worthless I felt like I didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I felt like I, uh, nobody would understand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I went to some pretty terrible places, uh, to get to where I'm at today. And this forum, this podcast, this human experience that we're all going through, um, is all about letting other people know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, and your mom are lending voice to other people, other moms and other teenagers who are going through exactly what you're going through, um, letting them know that it's okay just to be them, right? Um, you're on the tip of the spear that's um, letting others know that they can talk about these things with their parents, that they can grow, that they don't have to suffer in silence, you know, whatever that is. Um and I commend you for that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I wish I had the courage at 15 to do what you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was always a leader, but I never put myself out there like that because I didn't want people to reject me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're an amazing young man. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm super proud of you. You, you do things at your age that I would never dreamed of doing or talking about or showing up as. You do. You have so much courage. All right. Thank you. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and that takes a lot too. Like even just to say, thank you. You know, mm-hmm. I, you'll hear me to this day do things like, yeah, but, and I, yeah. mm-hmm. I push away compliments mm-hmm. and I push away the good things because I still don't feel worthy. Right. But something I heard your mom say is like, we got to work. You know, I don't just get to sit in my, my room or on my couch and hope that that loneliness goes away or that depression goes away. I have to, if I want different results, I have to do different things. Right. And, and hopefully this is part of that for you, you know, like talking about it, talking with other people, seeing that, well, if I want more friends, I got to talk to more people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and then not, uh, for me, I, I beat myself up about the interactions and, I have it all played out. It's got to go this way, you know? And if it doesn't go that way, then I'm like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. You know, I'm fucking worthless. And, and where that takes me is sometimes to a pretty crappy spot, but I just have to keep putting myself out there and, and knowing that I'm deserving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deserving. And that you, you know, we can all make a decision to stop playing the unwinnable game of comparison. Mm-hmm. 
right? Because comparison, we're trying, what we're trying to do is to have a, a increase of self-esteem and really it's unwinnable. And all we have is like inflations of self-esteem and c- collapses of self-esteem, inflations and collapses. It's all linked to comparison with other people instead of going back to that place of, can I love myself? Am I enough? Mm-hmm. Mom, am I enough? Can you just tell me that I'm enough right now because I don't know if I believe it or right? going to your wife, me going to my husband and those close people. Mm-hmm. I just need you to tell me I'm enough right now and hold that space for me until I can believe it mm-hmm. for myself. And I'm learning that you can say that because I, I do feel like I'm really good at that with him, but I don't think you can say it enough. So I think that it escapes very fast it's easier to hold the negative stuff in to the forefront than all of the good that happens and the positives that are always said and i'm learning that it may just need i need to keep saying it over and over in our conversations no matter what instead of saying i tell you all the time that you're a b c d and instead just reminding you of it in the present moment it's like Mm -hmm. filling the bank account Yeah. yeah having lots and lots of savings yeah keep it in the black Mm -hmm. for those hard days when you have to withdraw more than you wanted to Mm -hmm. and i think during those hard days we have to have that self-awareness that we're not doing okay and then ask for help or ask for support instead of isolating and and you know not feeling like we can put ourselves out there Mm -hmm. um, because that's when i can get stuck if i retreat into my social media, into my TV, into whatever it is, then I'm, I'm numbing whatever's going on. And then as soon as all that ends, all of those feelings of negativity and self doubt and self hate and whatever that is, they come right back and they're, they're amped up. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess that's what, you know, I'm learning from this conversation is to not retreat Mm -hmm. is to, run towards that fear, run towards that loneliness to ask, you know, my loved ones for support, tell them what I actually need. And then also on the flip side of that is when somebody's doing that to me, I have to listen, not solve, not correct, but just listen and be with whoever, you know, mm-hmm. needs me. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We always talk about willingness too. Right. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Ryder? Mm, not really, no. No? No, I mean, this was, I, this was good. I liked, because I got to hear what my mom had to say. And Alicia. Alicia, yeah. that one, yeah. Alicia with an M. Yeah, yeah, right, right. She was here, and she got across my thoughts sometimes that I couldn't say, and it was good. And Damien, it was just really good, because... Yeah, I know you see a lot of yourself in me, but I also see a lot of myself in you. So, oh, we're both good-looking dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you got a lot more hair than I have. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Not for long, though. Ah, uh, no, it's true, Ryder. I, uh, I'm very grateful that I get to be in your life. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've learned a lot from you today. You know, last week mm-hmm. since I've known you, yeah. and. Uh, because of your openness and honesty, you know, I get to be a better dad to Hunter Harris and Owen. Yeah. And that's it, pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and it's that ripple effect. You don't always see the ripple that you make and how far that extends, but mm-hmm. by you just being you, you're allowing me to 
carry forward and be a better dad. Mm-hmm. Um, which that's the, the biggest goal of my life is to be as good as possible for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're a part of that. Thank you. How are you with diapers? Not good. No. <laughs> no hard no. Yeah, hard no. Hard yeah. no. <laughs> Tanya, final thoughts. I just, I love that you guys have created a platform where we can talk about things like this because I think that raising kids in this day and age and, and the fear and the way the world is and everything, it's a scary place for both, right? For both teens, for parents. And I think that a lot of people feel those pressures and those feelings but are too uh, scared or whatever it is and and, and just don't want to talk so even if anyone you know hears people speaking about it and relates to it and just understands that like you're not alone because sometimes you really do as a parent feel like you're just fucking it up every single day right and the truth is we're not we're all just doing the best that we can and we all need to know that we're all going through it right so thank you for having us mm-hmm. no and your perspectives were great no Malisha, final thoughts mm, yeah i i echo um tanya thank you for for this experience today i wasn't expecting actually to come come on and so i i have a lot of gratitude for that i think this is very amazing real people coming together and talking about real things because guess what fear is real Mm -hmm. and instead of glossing it over like we see all over social media and where everybody's perfect this is a great place to talk about those fears to be real and have someone else get to hear that and relate Mm -hmm. so thank you yeah uh on behalf of you know our collective journey uh thank you you know for for being you you know for for not wearing any masks and just coming in here as your authentic selves um to talk about some things that you know not a lot of people talk about uh or are afraid to talk about uh because of how it might make them look or um because we've just never given ourselves permission to feel these things right um you know if you're listening to this podcast um i encourage you to listen to it with your kids you know um take the opportunity to um have a conversation you know maybe start um doing what tanya and Ryder do um i know i'm going to you know in my personal life you know love my kids a little bit deeper just be with them not try and correct not try and solve um be willing to fail forward. Yeah, fail forward, right? And not beat myself up for uh, for the mistakes that I make because I'm I'm doing the best I can and I'm doing a pretty good job. I guess I got to see my character traits because uh, it's like you guys have said, it's pretty easy to focus on the character defects uh, and stay stuck. But uh, mm-hmm. for me, hard to see those character traits. And I see a lot of uh, love and a lot of hope in this room. And you guys are uh, lending voice to a lot of people that... Uh, maybe don't have uh, the courage quite yet to, to lend voice to their own story. And that's what this is. Our collective journey is shared experience. Um, you guys are, like I said, the tip of the spear, allowing other parents and adolescents to hear that it's okay just to be them. Right. So, um, follow us on Facebook at our collective journey, follow us on, 
uh, Instagram or follow our website all at uh, our collective journey, our collective journey.ca. Um, we're on all major podcast, uh, share sites. I don't even know what you call it, but you know, I'm just, uh, I'm pretty technologically unsavvy. What do you call it? Ryder? I, I don't even platforms, platforms. platforms yeah. Social media, podcast platforms. Um, once again, if, if, uh, the stories that you hear, the conversations that you hear on from darkness to life resonate, please leave us some feedback. Uh, give us a rating, um, as it will help us move up in the algorithm that shows where, um, our collective journey is on these social or sort of these podcast platforms, which will in turn allow more people to hear amazing stories like Ryder and Ta- or Ryder and Tanya's, um, Richard wish you could have been here, but, uh, too bad so sad sucker (laughs) with that uh, from the plugged in media network again my name is Damian Davis from our collective journey Um, if you or anybody you know um, hears the story and it resonates with them reach out and we will support you in any way that we can Um, much love thank you guys from darkness to life is an our collective journey podcast these are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges if these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn our collective journey is here for you please consider supporting ocj by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate all proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community hosted by members of our collective journey produced by rob pape engineered edited and directed by dave crookshank from darkness to life is a plugged in media network exclusive thank you for listening